following podcast contains spoilers, so you have been warned. Mwah! Hello and welcome to another episode of Please Don't Make Me Watch. On this week's episode we have the worst internet video ever. Fun birth control facts. Male rage. And Jason Statham's best role. Hey Sam. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. No. What have you been up to this week? I mean, I only want to talk about Parasite. That's oh, I just saw it yesterday. That's all I want to talk about. And, okay, spoilers for Parasite, because I don't care no, anymore. No, 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 you can't spoil it. No, 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 this is all I'm going to say. I want to talk about this film, but I think if you want to see this film, please skip until the next bit of the jingle, because... Oh my god, I think we should wait. I think we should uh, wait. No, it's so... Uh... No, you can't talk about it. I'm sorry, you can't talk about it. Well, I haven't got anything else to talk about then. You're going to have to talk about how you liked it, but without being specific about what happened. I mean, it is genuinely one of the best films I've ever seen. Like, genuinely. It's quite intense. Yeah, but it's amazing. Like, I, I, I can't put into words how good it is. Really? Like, it's, I really like, like as in, I really liked it. I think it's a great film, but it's not, I'm not. I oh, see, I, I walked I'm out. I'm not like, oh my god, stunned. I it was incredible. Out, I walked out of the cinema and I was like. But it didn't like, like emotionally, like, oh, it did emotionally, I don't I was, I was broken by it. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it was really good. Like, it, I, it, I think it fully deserves everything it's got. Oh yeah, no, I'm not denying that. It like, definitely was like the, one of the best films of the year and like, yeah. deserved everything. But now I really want to see, yeah. uh, that's just been released in the UK, is Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is the oh, French yeah. film that uh, Bong Joon-ho thought that should have been the film that won Best Picture, not Parasite. And also the director that should have won Best Director, not him. He's cool, Bong yeah. Joon-ho. He is. He also yeah. made some really fucking weird films. Yeah, I mean, this is no exception. I right? know. I mean, you've seen Snowpiercer. Yeah. You haven't seen Okja. Okja's weird. Yeah. It's about a giant genetically modified pig. Okay. And it's got Tilda Swinton in it, because why not? Well, apparently they're making an HBO series of Parasite with, like, different things and Tilda Swinton might be in it. Oh, no. No, he's involved. Bon involved. I know, but I'm also like, stop. Wait, no. I, I think you'll like the thought of it. Oh. I don't think it's exactly the same. I'm 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 really skeptical about that because I'm almost like I don't want you to touch it. Like, no, I think that you'd like it. Wait, an HBO limited series based on the film with Bong and Alan McKay as executive producers in early development. Bong has said that a series also titled Parasite will explore stories that have an in between the sequences in the film. Mm. In February, Mark Ruffalo and Tilda Swinton were rumored to star in the series. Okay. I don't know. I'm still skeptical. I'm still skeptical. Anyway, what have you been up to? Uh, so yeah, I saw Parasite. It was great. It was really good. Um, I watched it and then watched one of the films that we're going to talk about in a later episode, and I will mention this then. They're really like... It was just a lot. It was quite an intense day of watching. Oh, okay. I think I know which one you mean. And yeah, it kind of ruined the other film for me, actually. Because I just like had lost all brain power. That is, that is not a fun double bill. No, it wasn't, but I had to watch them. Yeah. Today. Ha. Um, and also the best thing is that I didn't even choose that one. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> All will be revealed in episode 23. Indeed. I watched Drag Race. Yes. Season 12. We're probably going to do a special episode on Drag Race. Episode okay, so I won't say anything. But yeah, it was it was good. I'm still not a fan of the split premiere, but whatever. It did make me get to know everyone a bit better. Yes. I thought it was like gutless to not 
fire or anything on them. Yeah, I think I think the way that series six yeah, did it with Thin the Herd. Yeah. What what series six did with, with eliminating one queen from each group, I think would have benefited this cast. I feel like they were trying to do the strictly thing, which is like, let's introduce them while they're shit and then let them grow. And I'm just Which is cute but like not really drag race. Yeah, and I and I don't that that for me doesn't interest me. I'm like, no, there are thirteen of them. Jeopardy. Can we can we get rid of the filler, please? Oh, I finished the marvelous Mrs. Maisel Yay! all three series. Yeah. You're now ahead of me on it, on it, because I still have finished series three. Oh, I can't give anything away then. But it's, no. it was really good. I think I think great. series two is still my favourite. Yeah, I like all the bit in the Catskills. Oh. That whole section is great. Where she's just walking around with a plunger. I mean, just everything about that section is really good. Yeah. It's less like, I don't know, I almost quite like it when we don't see as much of her doing comedy. Mm. Because her doing comedy is funny, but you like feel an expectation to find it funny. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, okay, we've seen, okay. Mm. I definitely think that trend continues in series three, at least up to the point that I've seen. But obviously because of the premise of series three is that it's, it's the tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she does much more, whereas in the Catskills. She's in the Catskills. She's like in the Catskills, she can't do anything. Yeah. I enjoyed that. No. Very yeah. exciting. Very exciting. But I think, I think we've got to get on with the show. We're doing the show. But yeah, cool. Yeah, we are we are doing the show, but I feel like we should get on with 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 the meat with the meat of the show. The main course. The main course. So this week, I asked you to watch um, something that loads of people have been talking about, and it is called "Don't Fuck with Cats." <laughs> Don't fuck with cats. Hunting an internet killer is um, another true crime documentary series released on Netflix. So it's um, back in that world for me. Um, it was released this year and it's about um, a manhunt essentially to find um, a cat killer. Like someone who kills cats and films it and puts it on the internet. It was directed by Mark Lewis and yeah, it was um, released 2019, so, but like just like December. Yeah. So there's a lot of Christmas viewing, dark Christmas viewing for a lot of people. Very festive. Indeed. Um, thoughts um as you know from previous episodes i really really enjoy true crime but this is in a way very fucking trashy but it's also very fucking compelling but also i haven't watched the rest of it because of something that i will have to watch for next week right okay Um, confusing way of saying it's confusing way of saying it but i think that like the crime itself is so weirdly specific and in and the way that the people are hunting him yeah. is so weirdly specific. Yeah. That you're like, wait, what the fuck? Why does this guy look like a late two thousands porn star? What is what is going on? Like it's why is it fascinating like yeah. premise, to be honest. Also, I have to say, as someone who is like I obviously everyone likes cats and like no one wants to see any animal or like being harmed, but as someone who is not that keen on pets yeah, like, me I've never, too. like, desired a pet. No. Cats are cute, but they hate me. And, like, I don't feel a massive, like... I don't... Every time I see a cat, I'm not like, Oh, my God, a cat! Yeah. Anything like that. So when someone said, Oh, you should watch Don't Fuck With Cats, it's about a cat killer, I was like, I don't feel like I'll be that upset. Yeah. Like, it won't affect me that much. I'm not sure if this is the one. Humans concern me more. <laughs> and, but then when you watch it, is it, it is actually really upsetting, I think. Yeah. Like, genuinely... The whole point of the thing is that you'd have to be a psychopath not to find I know. that upsetting. And I think that like the trashy element comes very much from the style of it. Yeah. Like the style of it, it's I mean, I think blunt instruments are quite a lot of used, like 
they play some of the music from Catch Me If You Can. Okay, like, solid But that's because hammer. he's obsessed with Catch Me If You Can. I know, which I'm, I'm just like... Makes sense, though. I know, but it's so trashy. And then they play Dance Macabre when they're, like, sort of doing some of the... Showing some of the videos of, like, the beginnings that they don't actually... They very never show, they never the real show thing, it. But they do show people's reactions to it and they see it, show people, like, crying over yeah. it. Like, really, it is really genuine. Oh, fully, yeah. Thing. And then, like, it's quite a confusing genre clash. I know it. It, it is tonally confused. I, as I watch most things at work. And do you do I, do any work at work? I work while I watch TV. <laughs> you just don't. People just don't understand. But like, I get all my work done. Um. Anyway, so I was watching it while I was doing my work, and um, I watched it because I would like knew it would be like people said it would be like slightly upsetting, but I didn't really realize. Because it's got such a stupid title. Oh, it really does. The title, in a way, put me off. Yeah, it feels really cartoony for quite a while, and mm. it feels like, oh, we're following some internet sleuths. They look like losers. No offense to them. Yeah, they, they did do. do great stuff, but like, you know, they're kind of. You just think this is a bit of a ridiculous plot, and then it got to the point where I was like, so glad I watched it at work because it was so upsetting. Yeah. Like, if I'd watched it on my own at home, I would have found it like quite scary because I, I watched kind of half of this by myself and then half of it with my flatmate and she loves cats and she couldn't like handle watch it. some handles yeah. of it and I was like yeah this is not something for you to watch it gets worse as I know and it's like on. and I'm just there like this Wait, is what was the ending of the first episode the ending of the first episode let me look at my notes um it's it ends because it always ends on like a plot twist. But what's the plot twist? Yeah, it's the plot twist is that he's he's found the main kind of internet sleuth, like the the killer has kind of found oh, her. Oh right, okay. So then, okay. So like you, I don't know what happens, but also I don't care. Okay, so I'm gonna spoil this for Sam. So skip over if you don't want to know. But it doesn't really spoil it because it's like a documentary. So it's like yeah, they try and make it plot twisty. Um, the guy who kills the cats, um, kills a person uh, in Canada. I think that's in the trailer. Yeah, I think so. And like cuts up their body and sends it to different places and stuff. Like it's and films the whole thing. It's Fun. like properly because I didn't know that when I I didn't watch the trailer or anything. Mm. So I just watched it being like, okay, so he's like a dick and he he kills cats and that's horrific. We're going to find him. And then the whole point of it is that these internet sleuths find who he is, but and they send letters to like he they find where he literally lives and they send letters to like the Canadian police force and they're like this guy is dangerous but they obviously the police force are like who the fuck are these internet weirdos who are these people and then they find this body like in bin bags basically and it gets mm. sent to like the embassy and it gets sent everywhere and it's just you know when you're watching and you're like I, I now I don't want to watch no. I don't understand why this is sold to me as a cartoon show like yeah don't fuck with cats yeah it's when you're like no a real person died yeah, no, this this is the thing is that this this TV series yeah. is a complete tonal mess. Yeah. It can't decide whether it wants to be fun, bit campy, tons of shots of Google Earth, or whether it wants to be like this really dark, yeah. true crime, finding this like psychopath. It can't do both. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's that for me is a massive problem. It's I mean, I've again, only seen episode one, but it's a massive problem in episode one, where you get things like them not being able to pronounce the country of Namibia, which is not a hard country to pronounce. It is phonetically written. I don't remember that. I only remember it because I wrote it down because <laughs> um, it annoyed me so much. And then they then suddenly switch to like him stalking the ki stalking the sleuths, and then like 
kind of showing the sorts of things that he'd done. And I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. In a way, I question the ethics of this documentary as well, because it yeah. does essentially teach you how to stalk people. I, yeah, it does. Like, and it suggests that it's a good thing if you're like doing it for the right reasons. I know, but I'm just there like, you know some dickhead's doing this for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. And it, I just, mm, that's the thing is that I think it all, it all boils down to that tonally it just doesn't work. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it gets darker as the series progresses or if it keeps this kind of weird cartoony tone. It's similar, but obviously they're they're dealing with much darker issues and they're interviewing police chiefs instead of like people in their bedrooms. So okay. it becomes darker in that sense. I suppose you get drawn into it so you stop thinking of it as a joke because someone dies. Yeah. And they try their very best. There's a really interesting thing where you think, like they interview his mum, the guy, the killer's mum. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And she's like convinced that this is not true and he, that he's been like, he's been being made to do this by someone else and you kind of buy into that for a bit like they make you buy into it and then they're like no reveal actually this is like something he's been planning for years and he's basically schizophrenic and like i don't know it was one of those things i i it, it was like a fascination of watching it but i don't think it added anything to my life no. or like knowledge about humanity which is kind of what i think documentaries should do yeah so it's more agree. just like oh my god look at this mad thing that happened terrifying yeah and, and i do think that like the horror is captured very well yeah but the rest of it it's just i just don't think it works unfortunately yeah no no i, I kind of agree but i just found it fascinating as a whole like yeah as a, as a thing as a story anyway but i feel like we should move on to something slightly more cheerful yeah it is a depressing it is a really depressing thing to open with, but I think this this one is slightly more lighthearted. Your TV is much more lighthearted. So um, I asked Alice to watch a brand, a very very new, I think, kind of comedy. It was one of the big draws for Hulu, and it was only recently released in the UK by the BBC. And I asked you to watch Shrill. Shrill is an American comedy series released in 2019 on Hulu, written and starring A.D. Bryant and Lolly Adafope. Um, it follows the life of Annie, who is a woman um, trying to break into journalism and struggling with many issues involving body image and bad boyfriends and that sort of thing. This series, I think I watched because I really like A.D. Bryant on SNL, and I think that's where yeah, the, I really like nearly her. everyone is going to know her from. Yeah, 100%, that's where she's And, I mean, she's she's very funny, and any sketch she's in with Kate McKinnon is just gold. Yeah. Um, but I was I was really surprised by this, and I think that it does make you think about things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought about when watching something. And I'm interested to see what you got from it. Because <laughs> it is quite, I feel like it's quite a you show. Yeah, in that it's like about women. <laughs> yeah. But I think, but I think it's 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 about women in a very interesting and different. I think it's different from the way that it's often portrayed, especially later in the first series. I haven't seen series two, by the way. I mean, I've only seen the first episode. Of Great, the first we're on one of these again. So, um, yeah, um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite like fun. I like Ailey Bryant and I like Lolly Adipope. So yeah. like that was quite an easy win. Mm. And Lolly's character specifically is like obviously quite fun. Yeah. Um, and doesn't take any shit, which is always enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It was frustrating watching A.D. Bryant's character. I don't remember their names. Annie is Annie. A.D. Bryant's character. It's frustrating because at the beginning she's so, like, trodden on, basically, in every aspect of her life. Yeah. I found the message a little bit weird, and I know they didn't mean this to be, like, 
the message for everyone, but she gets an abortion and that's like the trigger point for her to make her life better. Yeah. And I felt that was like, they're quite traumatic things, abortions, regardless of, maybe for her it's like taking charge of your life and like deciding mm. what you want and stuff. I think that's definitely what they were going for. I know, but you know when you're, you watch it and you're like, I don't feel like you just like have an abortion and you're like, woo, my life's great. Yeah. Like most women who have one don't talk about it and like, like it's a positive thing in terms of what it does for them, but mm. it's also like can have other effects. Because yeah. I think, I think it is, I think it's very brave for, especially an American show, to have that in episode one. Yeah, I'm very Because I mean, did you it. think about something like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the abortion storyline in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend isn't introduced till halfway through series two. Paula gets an abortion. I don't remember that. Either. Yes. Fun fact. Huh. How do I not remember that? I don't know. I thought no. you would. I don't remember that at all. Like, I, even when you say it, I don't have any memory of that. Yeah, because it's, it's when Rebecca's being, like, really distant from Paula. Yeah, classic. And like, all the whole way through. The whole way fucking through the thing. series. Rebecca is a terrible person. But I think, I think with Shrill, the dynamic between um, AD's character and Lolly's character is really, really interesting because... I think also for me, I like that Lolly's character is a lesbian and it's introduced in the most casual way possible and then not picked up for the rest of episode one, really. Yeah. Is that it's just like, oh, she's seeing two different women at the same time. Cool. Oh no, they found out. Then then that's the end of it. Yeah. And I think that it does kind of play with your expectations of representation in a way. I do, I do think that, and especially there's an episode later in the series where they go to a pool party. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. And that I think is the best. I think it's episode three and it definitely is the best episode i think of the first series because it does kind of play with your ideas on like body size and the way that essentially it's it's a pool party for plus size women yeah and it does definitely play with your kind of expectations because it is they are all shot like they are in a victoria's secret catalog yeah that the whole episode and it's and it does kind of turn on your head what you expect, and it's all about kind of camera and gaze. Yeah. And I do think that this is what this show does very, very well, is that it inverts what you expect the gaze to be. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good. I thought also the way... The, like, fuckboy that she's sleeping with. Yeah. They didn't make him, like, an obvious fuckboy. No. Like, he was quite cute to her, and, like, they had, like, a nice... Dynamic. Dynamic together. Instead of it being like, oh my god, what a fool she is for like putting up with this. Mm. There was like, you could see why she would put up with that for quite a long time. Yeah. Despite him being an absolute dick. I just, like, it was a good show. I just, like, there weren't like thick and coming laughs. No, I think, I think. Comedy comedy. It's one of those ones that I'm like, it's like Orange is a New Black being described as a comedy. I'm like, but this isn't really, it's a comedic drama, I think. Yeah. More more than like an out and out comedy. It felt like an indie film. Mm, part of me kind of wishes it was a film. I quite like it to be a film. I felt like they were dealing with ish- really big issues quite in quite a small amount of time. I'm yeah. Sure because like overall, I suppose they get more time than they would in a film. But mm. and I and I actually do think that like the episodes are quite short. They're only about twenty twenty five minutes. I honestly think that could have done with five more minutes. Yeah. Like per episode, I think that is. I, quite, a... I mean, it was nice to watch something quite. Oh yeah, it's Quick. great commute watching because you can just watch it and, at least for my commute, I watch it and then I've commuted. Oh, lucky you. No, I really did enjoy it and I probably will watch some mm. more, but it, it wasn't like... I, I liked it for the the characters and... Oh yeah, the um, birth control fact that we referred to at the beginning of the yeah. podcast, which is that birth control is made for women of a certain weight and therefore doesn't work for women not of that average no. weight, which is like insane that we don't know more about. No. Like, Which I'm is not sure, as I in knew. morning, the morning after pill, not the pill, but, um, 
Yeah, I've only got it once, but um, I don't remember being asked about my weight. No. I mean, I, I had no idea about that. No, that's terrifying. Yeah. Also, it means that women who are lighter than that are getting more than they need. Mm. Which can explain, like, some of the side effects that you can get. Yeah, it's... Ugh. It's mad. Like, the Why thing... Is the the thing's so bad? Uh, various reasons. We're recording this, whatever, <laughs> on um, International Women's Day. Yeah. Fight for your rights, women. Can I name some other fun statistics about how women are just shat upon by the world? Do you know the car accident statistic? I've heard of this one. So if you and me, a man and a woman, are in a car accident and we're in exactly the same seat in exactly the same car accident, um, 17% more likely to die and I think it's 50% more likely to be seriously injured. It's 45%. Because I'm a woman, and they're not built for women. No. Because they don't have female crash safety dummies. No. What a fun fact! Well, it's, it's the thing, it's like, crash test dummies are all the same size, and you're like, but what if you're not that size? They're not only the same size, they're built to male proportions. Yeah. But was obviously our fat and stuff is distributed in different mm. places, so it completely impacts on how you get... Oh my god, it makes me so angry. And it, when they tried to... When people complained about this, they tested a female crash te safety test dummy, whatever, um, and it was a smaller version of the male one mm. in the passenger seat. Which, no. A, women drive, and B, we're not the same. No. Anyway, I think we should talk about Shrillers a tiny bit more. <laughs> oh, I have nothing more to say. It was just fun. I think, I think, that's the thing is, I do think it is fun, and I do think also kind of, I think there is an element for me, I'm not sure if you met the character of her boss in episode one. Yeah, he's annoying. He, I think, is, for me, the weakest part of the show. And when they do so the much... The whole thing at work is stupid. Yeah. And they do so many good things about representation and about, kind of, subverting your expectations of representation. And then you have a really stereotypical, fitness-obsessed, mean, bitchy, gay male character. Is he gay? Yeah. Oh. You meet his partner, like, later in the series. And it... Yeah. Who is exactly what you think his partner's going to be. And it... For me, that is a kind of like a, oh, oh, you've dropped the ball a little bit on that one. And I it... found the work environment ridiculous because the whole of the rest of it is so mm. realistic. Like the whole yeah. point of it is that it's realistic and... It's um, meant to feel real. And, and it... It's meant to feel real. And then her work environment, A, her whole work environment is confusing and un like, I don't understand what her job is. Or I feel like it's meant to be like a parody of someone like BuzzFeed, but also I'm like... Yeah, but it's very confusing yeah. because none of the rest of it has been a parody. So why is that bit parody? I know. And then the boss is just like a dick, but then somehow like kind of not, I don't understand what we're supposed to think about him. No. That whole thing. The only like actually funny bit I found and like very victorious bit is the really annoying fitness woman. Yeah. That was like the, and it oh, was that a great is... cheap joke, but it was quite good. Yeah. She comes back. I did she? Yeah. I thought she, she was a one-off. No, no. She is the kind of recurring character. Okay. Wow. I say recurring, I think she appears like twice more. But, okay. But I, I, I agree with you. I feel like that that's where it's at its best, but where it's at its worst, I'm like, oh, the cracks are showing here. I just don't feel like they knew what they were mm. doing, or they weren't confident enough to make the work environment realistic. Yeah. So they made it like a... Or they were like, oh, we don't have enough jokes in here. Exactly, yeah. We should yeah. talk about abortion and birth control, so probably should put, like, a stupid character in. I don't know why she... Like, why would anyone work for that guy? He's such a dick. I don't know. And, and, it, and it confounds me more as the series progresses. Yeah, okay. That was my flaw with the yeah. show. But I think it's time to go off to the movies. Yay! Movies, woo! Um, okay, so my movie this week, I chose um, a classic. Movie, it is which a full-on classic. Which I haven't seen. Yeah. And that is Twelve Angry Men. So, 
Twelve Angry Men is a 1957 American courtroom drama film, the American courtroom oh, drama film, yeah. I would argue, directed by Sidney Lumet um, and adapted from a teleplay of the same name by Reginald Rose. Um, the courtroom drama tells the story of a jury of 12 men, obviously, as they deliberate the conviction or acquittal of an 18-year-old defendant on the basis of reasonable doubt, forcing the jurors to question their morals and values. Um, and it stars Henry Fonda most significantly, yeah. but also many other famous men of the time. And it's all about how you build consensus and like how mm. different people's personalities create conflict. It's your classic kind of, it's very play-like mm, in that exactly. you lock lots of characters who are very different in one room and you basically give them one thing to talk about and that's it. Yeah. And like, see many other, <laughs> many other shows, but this is like one of the best. Yeah. Thoughts? Okay, first off, it's great. It's fully a classic, and you can see why it's a classic. It is an excellent piece of cinema. The sort of the, This is the sort of thing, though, that could, with the wrong cast, with the wrong script, with the wrong director, could be the most boring thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. But the script is great, the cast are all perfect, the direction is really interesting, and considering that it all takes place in one room and a bathroom, <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. It is so, so good. It's just such a, like, it's so good. And it's... <laughs> there is no criticism I can... I know, and, and the presence that Henry Fonda has in the room as juror number, insert juror number here. I can't remember. Because no, also another thing is that none of them until the end have names. They're all right. just their juror numbers. And I think that that's so interesting because in a way it depersonalises them. He's juror number eight. Juror number eight. Davis, an architect, initially the only one to vote not guilty. Mm. And openly questions the seemingly clear evidence presented. Yeah. Uh, and, He's the uh, one who turns everyone. I know. And, and they all get angry. And, and, and the process of each one of them coming to the realisation that actually the evidence as it's been presented isn't accurate is done in such a good way. And especially, I think, the final juror is the realisation where he has this like massive angry rant and then looks at the photo in his wallet of his own son, tears it up and then breaks Yes. It so is good. it is one of the best moments in cinema. Is it that is juror number three? Juror number three, yeah. E. J. Cobb is played by and the most passionate advocate of a guilty verdict. Yeah, and it and I just I just feel like there are so many lines in this that I kind of wanna have great thing. And there's one that's like, Are you his executioner? Um, which Henry Fonda says to one of the jurors, and then one of the others replies, I'm one of them. And it is just such a throwaway line, but has so much weight in the fact that, like, you are potentially sending someone to their death for this crime. Yeah. Like, you are willing to say, this person deserves to die for what they did. Mm. And it's so good. It, it's just amazing. <laughs> and, it's, and it's kind of, I think it is, it is the, the thesis line of, of this film is said towards the end, which is prejudice always obscures the truth. Yeah. Because it's the fact that the kid was um he was abused by his father he was like from a very poor background in a very poor neighborhood like he was seen with like people with not with like kind of in knife gangs and stuff and it's like automatically must be a criminal yeah and i think that it is is such an interesting kind of statement on it in that one by one every single bit of evidence is brought and just destroyed but it's clever because you can see why someone would believe the evidence you don't oh, yeah. feel like the others are idiots for not believe it like mm. at the first you're definitely on the side where you think this guy i mean we all know that he's probably got a point because otherwise what's the point of moving oh exactly like, yeah there um you're kind of on the side of the people who are like this seems very cut and dry like why do we need to question this yes. but they and then the interesting thing is because there are 12 of them obviously they all have different reasons mm. for 
wanting to change and it's interesting to see how different people have to be worked upon in different ways yeah so it's just interesting psychologically it's I yeah it, i mean it is a fantastic piece of cinema i watched it so long ago i think i might need to rewatch it i mean it's, it's it one of the things bear yeah definitely it's one of the things i feel like when people complain about black and white films and pe films from like a while like films from like the 40s and 50s yeah i just want to sit them down and make them watch this I mean, like, yeah, I mean, this is the. This classic. is what you're missing out on. Make make them watch something like this. Make them. I also would say if you want to watch something that's really like fun and zany, watch something like it hot. Yeah. Watch Gentlemen Before Blondes. Watch these sorts of things. I mean, Gentlemen Before Blondes is a black and white, but it's a great film. It's so much fun. But and then kind of things like Casablanca, and I'm like, you are missing out on so many great pieces of cinema because you won't watch them because they're the black and white. The thing I think I like about this one is it is obviously very. I mean, it's black and white, but like it's obviously very old in terms of they don't. It's not so fast-paced as the movies no. today. Like, I don't think a movie today... Well, maybe some of them, but very few would have the confidence to simply, like, put it in a whole movie in, like, one room. I know. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of the time, Casablanca and stuff can feel... They're amazing. I'm not, like, saying oh, yeah. they're not amazing. But I think to a very young... Like, a younger audience, they, they... can feel dated because of the transitions and, like, the yeah. very loud music and then it's like... Nah, 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 and then you're in a different Whereas this is, like... Whereas this... You don't get any of that, no. so it's actually more easy to like because you can just be like, mm. you can just get obsessed with the it, characters. I mean, in, in a way, like, it is quite a timeless film. Like, I do yeah. feel like you could, I think, redo this as a play and set it at any point in history. Well, um, except that there are no women. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I like, ov obviously, like, not necessarily any point in history, but you can, like, you can move it around. It doesn't necessarily have to be set in America. It could very easily be done... In a, in a different kind of setting, but this, in a way the setting is, it's a very insular one, and all you get is the room. I think it's, I think it's like, what people say about great play, I mean like people say about Shakespeare for example, I'm not comparing the two, but like... Mm. Um, I think the two are actually quite comparable, it does feel like, it does have that kind of sort of sense yeah. of grandeur in a way, but in a quite a small setting that I do think well, you get with yeah, quite a lot of Shakespeare. I'm, I mean as in they're in parallel in terms of like, both talk about specific situations and they are incredibly specific mm. but yet they speak to all time yeah that idea but i don't think they're in any way similar otherwise no because character building is great but yeah. i think i think as each juror slowly turns that's a really interesting point about the point that when they turn so the first the first one who um changes mind is the very is the oldest juror um after henry fonda and then it's the immigrant and yeah. then it's it's the Romanian watchmaker and it and it and how they all slowly turn and if you've got a guy who doesn't want to be there who is convinced that he's guilty in a fedora looking like a twat, but it's like there are oh. also people that you expect to not turn and then they do turn yeah. earlier than you expect. Like there's Jura Twelve well. is the really slick one who you're like he seems slimy and then he turns earlier than you expect him to turn, but then turns back again and then turns back again and you're like the layers in this film shocked me but also like the guy who's like um the watchmaker yeah and he's really patriotic but then he switches yeah i quite like that like it's you maybe not expect that it's yeah it definitely plays with your expectations and it definitely is one that i think there is a reason that people still are talking about how good this film is and also people obsessed with juries because the idea of a jury is so like amazing Alluring. and yet crazy yeah having been on a jury myself oh it is weird, like it's such a weird situation yeah. because you're put with people that you bear, you don't know, no. like you just don't know. Like the ones on mine were such a mixture of people, but you also have this weird bond with them where mm. 
you, you know you're like there to do a serious thing and we weren't like we were doing a serious crime but it wasn't like this like it yeah. wasn't like nothing hugely something mm. would have happened to the guy but nothing massive and yeah imagining putting that it's like in the um oj simpson thing yeah the best episode of it is when they talk about the jury you should mm. definitely like even if you don't watch the rest of it that episode is fascinating because it's just them being locked away and not being able to talk to anyone else and like going mental because they can't talk to anyone else and the way yeah. that they choose a jury and they can get rid of people like the whole harvey weinstein thing that's been going on yeah hooray conviction but um but the way that like they removed young women off that jury is mad they tried to do a comedy on BBC like years ago called Jury or something. It had quite a few famous people. I'm going to Google it. I do not remember that. Um, they did like a pilot episode of it and it wasn't done very well, but it was about what happens to a jury and they've just like completed the case and then they all go out for drinks afterwards. Oh. Or they go out for drinks. Oh, I can't remember. I'm going to Google this, but there was definitely like something about it. And I remember yeah. thinking, what a great idea. It's... Yeah, We the Jury. I've never heard of this one before. I think it's only got one episode. Right, so the comedy series is called We the Jury, and it has, like, Sophie Thompson on it, and Diane Morgan. Oh. And, um, like, Kay Alexander, who's in various things. Like, it's quite a variety of people. I remember thinking, this would be a great... This is a great idea. And James Acaster created it. There we oh. go. But fucked it, because it wasn't actually that good. Uh, sad times. Yeah, but anyway, depressing. Twelve Angry Men. I think, right, yeah. like, just closing closing argument on Twelve Angry Men. It's great. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's it's just an outstanding bit of cinema. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. Done. And I think we go from the sublime to the ridiculous with my film. Yeah. Now, I asked Alice to watch a film that I'm very sceptical about whether she's actually going to like it. Um, because it is... A bit out of left field, I think, for my taste in film. But I yeah. asked you to watch Spy. Spy is a 2015 American action comedy um, written by Paul Feig of Bridesmaids fame. Uh, it stars Melissa McCarthy, Jason Statham, Rose Byrne, Miranda Hart, and Alison Janney, um, and follows Agent Susan Cooper, played by McCarthy, as she tries to thwart uh, the sale of a portable nuclear device after mostly working behind the scenes in the CIA. This film, I was very sceptical when I first watched it, because I, controversial opinion, and really don't like Bridesmaids, um, didn't, find it, didn't find it very funny. This, I thoroughly enjoyed. I think it's a great ride. I think it knows exactly where to poke fun at with spy films and there's exactly where to kind of make its own jokes and yeah i really enjoy it and i'm interested to see what you thought um yeah i'm like shocked that you didn't like bridesmaids i think we talked about it before we have like, we have definitely talked ridiculous. about bridesmaids before okay uh yeah it was quite enjoyable i enjoyed watching it yeah um like it, it shouldn't be as good as it is i don't think like it's one of those films you're like this should suck why doesn't it Mm. I think. Uh, yeah, I thought it would suck more. The jokes are funnier than I thought they would be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think one of the big parts of that is that Jason Statham is actually hilarious in this film. Oh yeah. And he's essentially playing a parody of all the kind of very serious, gruff action characters I always play. But it's like you know the time I went here, got my legs blown off, had to eat my other leg off to get away from the bad guys, and then just saying they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's good at being this very, like, this action figure who's just, like, completely hyperbolic about oh, his yeah. own um, things to the extent that no one just believes anything no. that he's saying. 
Um, Melissa McCarthy is like perfect for this role. Oh, she's great. Be winning and likable, and yet very funny. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of Suki in Gilmore Girls. I don't know if you remember her in Gilmore Girls, but she's in there. Um, and it's very she. They're very similar characters. Oh, cool. Um, rather than her like bridesmaids role, which mm. is very over the top. Yeah, and I for me that was the, that's the thing is that I find I find Melissa McCarthy much less funny when she goes really over the top like she does in Bridesmaids. I, I don't find it as appealing, whereas I think this is it's a slightly more understated performance. I like Karen. I really like Karen Bridesmaids. And when she nicks all the puppies. Oh god, I forgot about that. Um yeah, but I like I mean I like her equally. Miranda Hart is in it and I like Miranda Hart. I th- I and I also I have think so like much appreciation for her. It's 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 sort of just think, why hasn't Miranda Hart done more films? She's done a couple, but they've like not very famous. Films, no, I, I mean she's in Emma at the moment, yes. which I haven't seen. I don't want to see it. Um, I have no interest in seeing it. No, I haven't read the book. The so. book is amazing, and you shouldn't go see the film if you haven't read the book. Cool. Or listen to the audio book. But also, like, like I, I appreciate Austen. I'm not a big fan of Austen. What do you mean? Like, I'm like, this is really well written. It's really witty and funny. It's just not my thing. That's mad. Okay. Um, but like Clueless is the best adaptation of Emma. Yeah, that's what everyone says. No and I have seen Clueless, so. Adaptation of Emma. Like, um, but the book is very good. Anyway, regardless. Spy. Um, spy. Yeah, Miranda Hart's great. I think Jude Law's really good in this as well. Jude Law is like good. I mean, his character is so irritating. I can't really separate like, But I think that's the point. No, obviously that's the point. And but I'm as just... in, I'm still not going to be like, oh, that was great. No. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think that Jude Law does the kind of like charming yet really annoying character very, very well. Yeah. I know they had to make him American, but it annoyed me that he was American. Yeah, I think it would have been much better if he was... So much of his charm is British. And and I think it would would have worked within the world of Spy because Miranda Hart plays a British character. In the CIA, yeah, Yeah. that's actually true. Um, I also like Alison Janney, but I will like Alison Janney in anything. Oh yeah, she's always good in everything. She's she's very good in this. Um, The thing, again, sorry to keep harking on about women, God... It was nice to see so many women in the main roles in this movie exactly, without yeah. it having to be like, hey, hey, have you noticed? The mm. boss is a woman. It didn't feel like no. we were being put out, but like the main villain that we were tracking was a woman. The head of the CIA was a woman. The main character was a woman. Her best friend and sidekick was a woman. Yeah. Like that one of the like operatives, also a woman. Yeah. Like the woman that, like so many key characters. Mm. In fact, all of the key characters? Mm, I think oh. with the exception of Jude Law. But Jude Law is like predominantly comedic. Yes, but I do think he's a key counselor, key character. He's a key character, but mm. like as in even Jason Statham is reduced to a oh, comic yeah. role. Which exactly. Is what, oh, yeah. I just really like that. And I like that they were like, fuck romance at the end. I mean, to an extent, but mm. those people tried to ask Melissa McCarthy out because she's awesome at the end. Yeah, and it's just she's like, like, no. no. I would and, go and, home and, and eat chocolate with my best friend Miranda Hart and I was like I want to do that Fuck who doesn't want to do that and I do love that Alison J- Jenny is like yes here's your next question you joking no I never joke please get on a plane yeah. and I think also like the action set pieces are done surprisingly well for this yeah. this kind of film because normally in sort of like these kind of comedic action films the action sequences there's a lot of slapstick and then my favourite bit of the entire film and the bit that like actually caught me by surprise and made me really laugh and it felt very British humour, mm. maybe I'm wrong, was she's, like, chasing after someone and she grabs someone's, like, elaborate motorbike with, like, a thing and driving it. <laughs> and you think she's... Because she's been a boss up until yeah. now, so you're expecting her to be the boss. And it just... It's it, it, almost exactly like that in between a scene where Jay rides a motorbike, mm. but, like, 
not even like into a dramatic crash, just like into a wall. But like not dramatically, he just slides off it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite moments of television, and they and, did that really well. And it's, it did the and it was I, just really shit. Yeah. And you were like, I yes. also really like the fight in the kitchen. I think the fight in the kitchen is it's the right level of okay, this is where the jokes are going to come in. But also here is all of this choreography that is clearly also Melissa McCarthy is doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it and it, I was like, this is this is. How is why is this film so good? Yeah, I thought it was very good. Because I've rewatched it recently. Because I watched it originally with my mum. Um, that is a good film. To yeah, and I I rewatched it recently, and I was like, yeah, this holds up. I also like that they weren't afraid to go there with like language and stuff. Like when she so Melissa McCarthy's cover gets blown, but then she creates a new cover yeah. for herself, um, and creates like a character which is like this, just absolute foul mouthed bodyguard. Yeah, and I quite like that the fact that she, they went there. And yeah. it was funny every time that she did it. It wasn't. It never was like, oh my god, using language just to be. No, it was. It wasn't crass silly. for the sake of being crass. Exactly. I think. I think it's. It's weird how well each of the main elements of this film works. Yeah. And the fact that it is funny and that it could have so easily. It was a nice film that I, I would watch it again. Like, yeah. I'd happily just like chill out. It's a good one for like a friends film night if you don't know everyone's film tastes. Just yeah. bung it on, because I think a lot of people, like, if you like action films, you'll get a lot of the action yeah, sequences yeah. in this. If you like comedy, you'll get a lot of the comedy in this. Yeah. If you and like Alice and Janney. It's very funny. Oh, Jason. Jay- I, just, I, just, I thought that joke would get old. But it, and it doesn't. And it's still kind of funny. Yeah, even towards the end. And it, even towards the end. Particularly the last joke about him. Oh, yeah. Oh, I will say the, the last... My, actually, maybe one of my favourite jokes. I think my favourite joke, though, is... Possibly also the last joke in Miranda Hart. She's like, I just shot someone. It feels great and I don't know why. Yeah, and there's some reason P. Diddy is in the helicopter with 50 her. 50 Cent. 50 Cent. Uh, and 50 Cent's like, you're amazing. And she's like, 50 loves me. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, enjoyed. I mean, everything. that Miranda Hart's bits were always good. Yeah. But I also like that she was, she was what I anticipated Melissa McCarthy to be, which is kind of yeah. shit at, at her, not at her job, but like, shit at being a spy exactly and yeah. I thought they were going to make loads and loads of jokes about that and then it's like no she's actually just really good yeah. at it and like has been over again subverting so expectations good. I think that's been a th- the I theme I mean she does week. look good but yeah yeah, um, yeah. no it was very enjoyable mm. the last joke with Jason Statham was great um, Miranda Hart was good what else do I have to say yeah. about this film Melissa McCarthy is good. Rose Byrne is very funny. Yes. And also, I like that they had the confidence to make her look like stereotypically good looking, but she wasn't good looking. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like she's dressed too weird. Yeah, it's it's like. But not in an obvious like. Ah ha ha. It's you parody. can you can see Michelle Visage being like, you need to edit. It, yeah. It's always the hair. The hair always the hair looks is, weird. Yeah. It's like, like why is there a bread on your head? Why does it look like you've got a bread basket just I as like your head? She, yeah, she yeah exactly. And I think I think it, it knows exactly what it's doing and it does it very, very, very well. Exactly. Anyway, scores on the doors. Oh, yeah. Are we ready? Are we excited? Oh, Who is ready? I'm very ready. Uh, first up, Don't Fuck With Cats. Um, I gave this... I'm actually going to lower my score. Okay. Um, I gave this a seven. Okay. I think that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I gave it five, I think, yeah. for the reasons we talked about. Um, yeah, that's completely fair. Yeah. I just gave it seven because it shocked me so much. Yes, and agreed. It was, I almost think the last episode is the best episode because it's actually mm. looking at the psychology yeah. of him. But yeah. Uh, Shrill, I gave six and a half to. Yeah, I gave it six and a half as well. Because I think that it, it does deal with a lot of things very well, but some of the elements that it doesn't deal with as well really detract from the film. The film, the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> I've done this a lot this episode. No, that's fine. And, um... Yeah, I gave it a season five because 
I would probably watch the rest because it's quite easy to watch. Mm. But actually, I it's not like it didn't make me laugh that much. Yeah, but I feel like it's a comedy, so we should yeah do that. Um, then Twelve Angry Men, I gave nine. I gave nine. I'm as gonna well. give it nine point five. Sorry. No, no, I I like, I, I agree with that. I think shit. it's it is it is incredible. Like, it's a very, very good film. Yeah, and I'm only taking point five off because, like, it would sometimes be nice to leave the room, but I know that that's the point. Yeah, you exactly. Know, like, sometimes exactly. your mind wanders. <laughs> and I think for me, some of the close-ups on sweat is not... That like, was necessary. I know it was necessary, but I was just like, please, no. Yeah, um, and then Spy, I gave Spy eight. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. That's mad. I gave it seven because, like, yeah, yeah, it's a very enjoyable film. Yeah. And if we go to the leaderboard, I think... We might have a new entry in the joint top three films. Whoa. Well, yeah, Tono, top four now. Because we now have four films that all have scored an 18.5, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark, Roma, The Big Short, and now 12 Angry Men nice. joins that list. And I think, to be honest, if you're thinking, like, I want to do acclaimed films, those are four, like, very different. Yeah. But all very, very good. Yeah. I would agree with all four of those. Yeah. And I don't think the bottom of the leaderboard has been touched much, so... We might as well not go. We might as well move on to next week. Next week, um, what have you got for me to watch? Okay, so, um, as I do know that you do indeed love a crime drama. Indeed. Um, and this is one that I am shocked that you haven't seen, because I feel like it is, aside from Line of Duty, the British crime drama yeah. of the past decade. Yeah. And that is Broadchurch. I'm excited to watch it, because I... I've wanted to watch it for a while. Yay! Um, and I've chosen something that I just think that you would like, basically, which is um, Fosse slash Burden. Oh. Um, Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Michelle Williams doing like a lot of touching the, not touching, but touching the face. Just like, oh, a lot of, a lot of yeah. pooching. We're, we're doing stuff behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone. <laughs> this is an audio medium. Um, yeah, so of course you better. I'm excited. I've meaning to watch this for a while, so looking forward to it. And for films, this is again a bit of a left field choice for me, but I saw this and just loved it. It's great. I would like you to watch Shaun the Sheep, the movie. Okay. <laughs> I like Armin animations. So. Yeah, I yeah. Um, I'm gonna get you to watch one of the ones that was like Oscar nominated. Yeah, stuff. especially in the acting categories. Yeah, um, which is called The Two Popes, and it's about. Pope Francis and Pope Benedict meeting. Exciting. Yeah. So thank you for listening this week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Don't Make Me Watch. You can find us on Instagram at Please Don't Make Me Watch. Uh, you can email us at Please Don't Make Me Watch at gmail.com. And you can basically just get in contact for anything. Yeah. And you can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and many other great podcast providers. Listen up, tell your friends, subscribe, like, rate, that shit. Share. Thank you. Bye. Bye.